Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Streaming, nothing personal word of the day. It's Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. Another year where I watched live the Oscar nominations. We'll get to those after the break. But we're starting with streaming because news came out yesterday that many of you had questions about. And I wanted to talk about because there is a bit of clarification required when it comes to streaming. Streaming is what you do when you don't have a cord. I don't mean an umbilical cord. I mean a cable cord. It's when you turn on your smart TV or you hook in some sort of Roku thing. We used to have to steal that where you'd remember the old days of direct TV and there'd be the special card you could get that would unscramble every channel and you could watch every movie, every kind of movie. Yeah, I don't have direct TV anymore. Not that I got caught. I really actually felt guilty about doing it. But in any case, I did it a little bit. So DirecTV, cable, it's called cord cutting. Cord cutting is not literally people cutting a cord. It's when people younger than I, but even now me, I cut my cord. It's when you don't have cable TV and everything you watch is over the internet through your Wi-Fi connection or through an ethernet cord connected to some sort of something that comes into your place and out through the wall and in through the TV and boom, you've got cable channels. And the way it works is all of these different platforms, whether whether it's Hulu, wherever you're getting your live TV, Hulu pays to get channels and the channels get, let's say, Yes Network says, all right, Hulu, if you want me to be on Hulu, you have to give me $10 per subscriber. $8 per subscriber, $4 per subscriber, put it in a bundle. You've heard the word bundle. Then you've got Netflix and Amazon. You've got Paramount Plus. That's Peacock. CBS has Paramount Plus. Every channel has a streaming service, ESPN Plus. And the reason why you are seeing all of these streaming services is that HBO Max is that you are buying them, Disney Plus, and you have decided which ones you'll buy. You no longer want to buy a basic cable package, which has 50 channels that you never watch. You would rather spend your money on buying individual channels that you like to watch. That is amazing in terms of the consumer and your ability to choose. It is not amazing for those people who are trying to get channels off the ground, for those people who own content and are trying to get it seen, because if you don't know about it or it is not a part of an established channel, then you're never going to see it because you're no longer interested in paying for what you don't know. 
I'm trying to break it down as easily as I can, because what's now happening is different entities, let's say a sports team, they're saying, I have an idea. If no one is going to buy and subscribe to cable, which is how we have gotten all of our money in the past as a baseball team, as a basketball team, as a hockey team, a lot of your local revenue is derived from a local broadcast deal. A local broadcast deal is when you sit down with the cable company and you say to the cable company, hey, you've got a sports channel. Let's say it's called Fox Sports Florida. In order to have that sports channel, you need to have something to put on the channel. We just happen to have live baseball games, 162 of them. We will sell you the right to show our live baseball games on your cable channel. And in return, you will get to charge all of the cable companies to show Fox Sports Florida because all the fans out there are going to watch games and they're going to be willing to pay to have Fox Sports Florida on a cable package that also includes 50 other channels that you're never going to watch. So the cable companies would say, well, we've got 2 million subscribers. They will pay $10 to get Fox Sports Florida, and we will give you $50 million a year to show your games. It makes perfect sense. But then the world changed. The world changed in two ways. One, people said, there's really no reason for me to have cable. And people said, there's really no reason for me to pay for something I don't want. Why, people say, do I want to pay to have Fox Sports Florida when I don't like the Marlins or I don't want to watch baseball or Marlins games? I'd rather pay to watch Yankee games. Well, okay. But as the president of the Marlins, I would say, no chance, toilet pants. I don't want people in Florida to have the ability to watch Yankee games because then they're not going to watch Marlin games. And then the cable company is not going to pay us the maximum amount of money because they're going to realize that people actually want to watch Yankee games and not Marlins games. Therefore, MLB has given home television territories to each of the 30 teams, and no one's allowed to show games not in those home television territories. That's how the world was. Then people said, wait a minute, we can find a way to show every single game. It's called MLB Extra Innings. What a brilliant idea. We're going to get the Yankee fans in Florida to pay $149.99 per year, and then they can watch the Yankee games. But we'll take care of you, Florida. Don't you worry, David. Stop calling the commissioner's office. Here's what we're going to do. For all the people in Florida, when they buy MLB extra innings in order to watch the Yankees, we're going to black out the Marlins games on extra innings. So in order for people in Florida to watch the Marlins games, they're still going to have to get cable. It's brilliant. We're going to take care of our fans who want to see the Yankees. And we're going to take care of our teams in their individual territory. Outstanding. And then people said, wait a minute. I'm not home in front of my TV. I don't watch on cable. We got to find a way to get these games streamed, meaning I want to be able to watch it on whatever tablet I have, wherever I am. And baseball said, hold on a second. That's a good idea. But we can't let people watch Marlins games in Florida on their device. We have to black it out. We need them to watch it on cable because the cable company said so. 
And then the cable companies said, well, wait a minute. Our consumers are talking and we're listening. We got to get the streaming rights here. And the streaming rights means that we have to give people a chance to go on to a new app we're going to develop called Fox Sports Go. I'm making it up or maybe I'm not. And then people are going to have to sign up for it. And we're going to get their email. We're going to know exactly how many people are streaming, how many people are watching on cable. And then we will know the health of our network, how much money we can afford to pay. It's all going to work out great. But then people said, well, wait a minute. What if I want to stream out of network games? Like the Yankees. No, we can't allow that. We have to protect the investment. Then people said, well, that makes no sense. We have to be allowed to stream whatever we want, whenever we want to. And MLB said, here's what we're going to do. Everyone get ready. Everybody has streaming rights, all 30 teams. But we at the federal government, MLB, commissioner's office, we're going to take them all. We are going to control all of the team's streaming rights. And the Yankees said, wait a minute, that's no fair. Because we have a chance to sell our streaming rights for a huge amount of money, and we get to keep that money. But if baseball, the federal government, has the right to own the streaming rights to all the teams, when they sell the Yankees streaming rights, they split that money one thirtieth. All 30 teams split. It's another way to share revenue from big markets and high revenue teams to small markets and small revenue teams. And the Yankees said, hold on a second. That's no fair. We want our own streaming rights. The Marlins said, no problem. We'd be happy for you to sell our streaming rights because our streaming rights aren't worth nearly the amount as the Yankees because more people stream the Yankees than the Marlins. Therefore, we'll get 130th of the Marlins. No problem. We'll get 130th of the Yankees. Hip, hip, hooray. And that 115th, 130th plus 130th equals 115th is greater if it's half Marlins and half Yankees than if it's all Marlins. You with me? Small revenue teams like sharing in large revenue teams stuff. Large revenue teams don't like sharing their stuff with others. When only the Yankees were upset, no problem. But then the Red Sox, then the Cubs, and then teams were lined up to say, wait a minute, we want the streaming rights back. And Major League Baseball, because as I told you, if 23 teams feel away, that's called a vote. If 23 teams vote to say there's only going to be eight innings in a game, well, you have to collectively bargain a few things, but they can change any rule, make any law, any rule they want within baseball. So MLB said, we're going to give the streaming rights back to the teams because we have no choice. And the Marlins said, well, all right, now we got to go sell our streaming rights. So we call up Fox Sports Florida and say, hey, would you like our streaming rights? And they said, sure, but they're really not worth much. Thanks anyway. And we said, but wait a minute. That's the only way we're going to get revenue and be able to compete with the Yankees because they're selling their streaming rights and they're getting a fortune. Sorry. Well, guess what? The teams in Major League Baseball now have their own streaming rights, which means when the Marlins did their new TV deal with what's now called Sinclair, part of that deal included giving Sinclair the streaming rights for the Marlins. So the new TV deals that were done by small market teams with companies, with the networks, 
with the cable networks, the really they're called sports networks, gave their streaming rights as part of the deal. But the large market teams like the Cubs, like the Yankees, like the Red Sox, they said, hold on. We've got our own streaming rights. We're not giving them to Yes Network or SNY or Nesson or Masson. We're going to take them and we're going to sell them on our own. We're going to have our own app. We may combine with our cable company, our cable partner, but if we own our own network, we'll combine with our own network. We'll do some funny finagling because guess what? Do you know how revenue sharing works in Major League Baseball? There is local revenue for each team. You put it all into a pot and then it gets split in certain ways. The more revenue you have, the more you have to give away to teams with less revenue. But if you make revenue called non-baseball related revenue, like the Cubs do by owning everything around Wrigley Field or the Red Sox do by owning Liverpool, let's say, all of that gets kept by the owners of those teams and not shared with the other teams. So baseball has a police force. The police force is out looking at all teams, trying to say, I've caught you. That revenue you have, it's really from baseball. That means it goes into the revenue sharing pot. And there are arbitrations that go on every year. The arbitrations that go on are between teams who say, you're wrong, commissioner. I take exception to your belief that we've got that amount of baseball-related revenue, I can prove it. And the commissioner says, no, you can't. I know very well that the revenue that you're getting from your network is because you've got live baseball games on them. You are streaming those live baseball games. It is a constant fight. Hiding revenue because you don't want to share it. Low-revenue teams trying to find that hidden revenue to make them share it. So yesterday, news came out that the Cubs were starting their own streaming app, their own stream with Marquee Sports, which is a network they own half of. There's a lot of talk about how unhappy Rob Manfred is with that. But guess what, Rob? There's nothing you can do because the teams own their own streaming rights. You gave it back to the teams. And now this is what you get. You get big market teams who are exploiting their streaming rights, and they are creating a bigger gap between the low revenue and the high revenue teams. Why is this a big deal? Because we're in the middle of collective bargaining. Dollar coca, because they're in the middle of collective bargaining. Do you know why this streaming situation matters? Because Rob Manford is trying to hold the owners together, trying to make them all push in the same way upstream like salmon's. And the problem is, if you've got owners fighting, then you're fighting not just against the union, but you're also fighting amongst yourselves. One of the biggest issues in the 1994-1995 strike was not the problem that the owners had with the union. It was the problem the owners had with the owners. You had a big block of low revenue teams saying, we're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. And so it's very hard to make a deal with a third party when one side of the table is fighting amongst themselves. So the undercurrent of this issue within Major League Baseball right now in today's collective bargaining negotiations 
is the possibility that there are enough low revenue teams to make signing a collective bargaining agreement impossible because the big revenue teams have found more and more ways to exploit revenue to increase the gap, therefore making it more difficult to compete if you're not Tampa. So for everyone who is concerned right now that there is no deal, this streaming issue is a large part of it. Now, how does that impact you? Well, if you're a Cubs fan right now, you may have to pay $18 to watch just your Cubs. Would you do it? Well, you pay $14.99 Netflix, HBO Max. Are you going to pay just to watch Cub games the same amount with so little content other than the 162 live games? That's the fear that Rob Manford and other small revenue team owners have. But the large revenue teams who are so egomaniacal and assume that you can't live without them say no problem, people will pay that amount of money and we will get that. It is one of the great wait to sees of this collective bargaining agreement and the negotiations, how this ends. It can't end with Rob Manford not allowing the teams to exploit their own streaming rights because they have that right. But it does end making sure that revenue sharing is protected and it is enforced. Remember, the players have been fighting with the owners about revenue sharing, but in a totally different way. The players don't care about anything other than the teams who get revenue sharing to use that revenue sharing to improve the major league product, which means payroll. We took our revenue sharing dollars and said we improved the major league product by improving player development or hiring more scouts or building an analytics department. And the union said, no, we want all teams receiving money just to use it on major league players. But you see, that's not what the owners are concerned about when it comes to revenue sharing. They're concerned about how much revenue is shared and how it gets split and how it gets hidden. There will be much more on all of this as the collective bargaining negotiations continue, as we get closer to a deal as streaming networks start taking over, as more people start cutting their cords, the way you get your entertainment is changing. And I've got big news for you. It's never going back. All right. We had some hires yesterday. Lovey Smith is the new coach of the Houston Texans. Hip, hip, hooray. I'm slightly offended that there was a some sort of release, some sort of epiphany by the Texans that they found their guy. I want to mention something that I did wrong yesterday. One of the things that Coke and I talk about every day when we prepare for the show is that there aren't many podcasts out there. There aren't many shows, audio, video, where there's one guy, no guests, except for Samson sit downs, goes 45 minutes without a script, and doesn't get edited. You would be shocked at the amount of editing that goes on with the podcasts you listen to. You are hearing me talk straight for 45 minutes and I make mistakes. It is hard to talk about subjects, looking at a camera with no studio audience, with Matt Coca in your ear on the document and sometimes breaking news happening while we are doing a show. Some of you may have realized that I talked about Lovey Smith yesterday and gave you a career coaching record to talk about 
how ineffective he was and how unsurprising it was that he got hired. And you corrected me by telling me that the record that I gave you included his time as a college coach. And I didn't say that. And the reason I didn't say that is that I didn't properly hear because it's harder than you think to hear and to talk and to read. But Coca told me exactly the breakdown of his NFL coaching career and his college coaching career. I combined them and I said, wow, those numbers are bad. So for those of you who noticed, I appreciate it. Coca appreciates it, but just know I'm going to correct mistakes. I'm going to keep making mistakes because we don't want to change the way we deliver this product to you. We want you to see it as it actually happens. Brian Flores watched it actually happen. He watched Lovey Smith get hired. Now, remember, Brian Flores was a finalist for the Houston Texans job. Brian Flores had the unbelievable delusion to go on TV and say, I know I just filed the lawsuit against 32 teams, but I'll tell you, I'm a finalist for three of them. And just so you know, I want those jobs. And I laughed. I don't care what color Brian Flores is. You sue me. You ain't working for me. Hard stop. Nothing to talk about. I don't care about don't that could be edited wrong. It's not that I don't care about racial inequality. It's not that I don't care about diversity, but you know what I care about more? I'm not going to have an employee be hired who's in the middle of a lawsuit. So Brian Flores was never getting a job in this hiring cycle. He's never getting a job in any future hiring cycle. But what reason did he have for having his lawyers release a statement following the Lovey Smith hire? It was unbelievable. And I have to read it to you. Mr. Flores is happy to hear that the Texans have hired a blackhead coach, Lovey Smith. Mr. Flores' goal in bringing his case to provide real opportunities for black and minority coaches to be considered. However, <laughs> I'm laughing. We would be remiss not to mention that Mr. Flores was one of three finalists for Texans head coach position. And after a great interview and mutual interest, it is obvious, wait for it, that the only reason Mr. Flores was not selected was his decision to stand up against racial inequality across the NFL. Really? That's the only reason? How about putting in there the fact that you're suing the Texans? I'm just curious. Did you want to mention that as a possible reason? What is gained by a statement, a joint statement by his two lawyers? I like that, the title. Joint statement from Douglas Wigdor and John Elifter, I guess. Joint. They could use a joint. Brian, you're not getting hired again. You made that choice. I respect you for making that choice. I'm happy that you were willing to do it because in order to move history along, someone's got to be willing to plant seeds for trees and shade that they will never see. I'm all in. But don't ruin what you're doing with statements like that. Why in the world would you do that? The New Orleans Saints hired a new coach as well. Dennis Allen. This is a good one. He's a white guy who's been there since 2014. You know what? Hire the best guy. I'm in. But here's the problem. The Saints stepped in it. I don't get how teams continue to do this. 
The Saints GM is Mickey Loomis. And he sent a tweet or did an interview or did whatever he did. And he said the most bizarre thing. He said that he had only two criteria for his head coaching search. Two. Ready? One. Familiarity with the Saints culture. Two. Head coaching experience. Okay. What does it mean to have familiarity with the Saints culture? Does that mean that it has to be someone who is already working for the Saints? Or could someone read about it or talk to Drew Brees or Sean Payton and say, hey, I'm familiar with it. I haven't lived it, but I'm familiar with it. Two, head coaching experience. Then why were you interviewing minorities with no head coaching experience? I'm just throwing it out there, Mickey, just curious. What is wrong with you people? You people stepping it more than New Yorkers on a side street at night following behind a dog walker. It's embarrassing. If I'm Roger Goodell, I'm despondent beyond repair with people continuing to make comments time and time again that simply show that the interview process is exactly what I told you, which means that everyone goes into it knowing exactly who they're going to hire, except the Houston Texans who said, uh-oh, can't hire the guy we want. We got to hire someone who's black. We're bringing up Lovey Smith. Yeah, I said it. That's exactly what happened in Houston, and you know it. All right, when we come back, we're going to review the Academy Award nominations. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. It's February 8th. It's nomination day. Now, I get it. I've watched the nominations every year for I don't know how long. It's been 30 years for sure. Whenever they're on, I make sure that I'm in front of the TV. They've changed over time. The nominations were announced today. And I wanted to go through a couple of interesting points. Let's start with, if it's okay, the hatred for Aaron Sorkin. I don't get it. The West Wing, Newsroom, Few Good Men. This guy's one of the best writers, but I agree he comes off as a little cocksure. I agree that he may come off as a little too smart. But do you not agree that his writing is brilliant? But he didn't get nominated. The other thing is that Hollywood is full of marriages that don't work. Actors marry actors. Then they marry other actors. And then they decide they're going to marry other actors. And sometimes you have a long-term relationship, but more often than not, it takes at least twice or three times to get it right. Guess what? First time ever, we have two couples nominated. 
Javier Bardem is nominated for Best Actor for being the Ricardos. He's married to Penelope Cruz, nominated for Best Actress in Parallel Mothers. That's pretty cool. They're both are going to get dressed. They're both going to be nervous. And how about my guy from Breaking Bad, Jesse Plemons? How about my girl from Elizabethtown? One of my favorite movies that you all didn't like and I loved from one of my favorite movie makers, Cameron Crowe. Kirsten Dunst was nominated for Power of the Dog. Jesse Plemons was nominated for Power of the Dog. Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and they're married. That's pretty good. Every year you've got snubs. There is some interesting ones. I would point out that Denzel Washington is nominated again for The Tragedy of Macbeth. If you haven't seen it, like me, sit down and watch it, which I will. His 10th Oscar nomination. Don't Look Up, a movie that I didn't like from a writer who I love, Adam McKay, was nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Picture. There's some great documentary features. We've reviewed one of them. I've seen several of them, which we're going to talk about. I reviewed Flea, told you to watch it. It's nominated. I watched Attica yesterday, not reviewing it today, obviously, because we're doing this, but I'm going to review it tomorrow. 10 Best Picture nominees. I've seen seven of them. I haven't seen Drive My Car. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza, and I haven't seen West Side Story. It's going to be interesting. Coke is all pissed because Denny Villeneuve didn't get nominated for Best Director for Dune, but Dune did get a Best Picture, and they got a ton of nominations. Who led in nominations, Coca? I would assume Dune because they got so many technical nominations. I would assume Dune or West Side Story led in nominations. I don't know if I'm right or wrong about that, but that is sort of where my thought is. All right, so the Academy Award nominations are out. Congratulations to Kirsten Stewart, Kristen Stewart, who is nominated for Spencer. That was a great performance in a mediocre movie. All right, I want to talk about baseball, and I want to answer a question that one of you had. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. How you doing? It's me, Samson. Samson's also a character from Half-Baked. If you haven't seen it, someone tweeted at me, Coca, or texted me, I can't remember what, saying that they were watching Half-Baked and they were 416, 420th baked. I always give fractions of how baked you should be when you watch Half-Baked. Some people are 0% baked. Some people are half-baked, full-baked. Whichever it is, there's a character named Samson. Go to my Twitter. Hit follow at David P. Samson. Go to YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Samson. Hit follow, hit subscribe. Ask a question and I may get to it. Hi, Dave. Let me stop you there. I'm David. Hi, Dave. David. Are teams and free agents talking now? I read where the Yankees may want to sign Freddie Freeman. Is that legal? That's a great question. Right now, Major League Baseball is in a lockout, as you know, which means that teams are not allowed to speak to either their own players or other players who are free agents. You can never talk to other players on other teams. That's called tampering. Wink, wink. As teams, we talk to all players. We talk before games. We talk after games. We talk to all opposing teams, GMs, managers, coaches, all the way from the president down to people in player development and scouting. There's communication between organizations. We talk to players who are free agents. We talk to players who are signed. There is tampering. There is talking at all times. Now, 
What about during a lockout? You've read a lot about how sad managers are. I don't get to speak to my players. I don't know how they're doing in their rehab. They're forced to rehab outside of team facilities. We don't know if they're getting better, they're getting worse. Are they getting ready? I would just like to point out that while I've never been a part of a lockout, I certainly was there when there were collective bargaining agreements being negotiated. And if you think for one second that major league owners, presidents, GMs, managers are not speaking to their players or to free agents, then you are 100% baked. Is Freddie Freeman negotiating with the Yankees right now? They're not sitting down and doing formal meetings. They're not going to be seen anywhere. But you think the Yankees aren't making it clear that they have interest in Freddie Freeman? Does everyone understand the way this is going to work? The lockout is going to end. Then spring training is going to begin like a week later. And in the meantime, all of the free agents who are out there are going to have to sign with teams. Let me draw a comparison. Have you ever seen in the NBA when free agency starts and all of a sudden all these signings are announced? Like right after free agency, right after you're allowed to contact a player, all of a sudden you've got a sign and trade, you've got a trade, you've got a signing, sometimes both. Do you think for one second that the first time you sit down and talk is the first minute you're able? How would we have been able to meet Jose Reyes at 12.01 one minute after free agency started in November or October of 2011? I'm just curious, would we have been able to contact him at midnight when it started and say, hey, can we meet you in one minute, please? And it's at this hotel in New York at the bar. We've cordoned off the whole bar. We're totally private. And we're going to be there with trench coats and jerseys. And by the way, we have an offer ready that just so happens to be exactly what you want. How's that again? When the MLB lockout ends and all of a sudden players sign right, left and center quickly. Are you going to believe, oh, yeah, that was the first meeting. They just came to a quick agreement. Of course, teams are talking to potential free agents. And guess who knows that? Everybody. But it's an unspoken because we can't let it be known that we're violating terms of a lockout. We can't let it be known that we'd ever do anything to sacrifice our position or to show how angry, God, this is $3 bet fines, how angry they are with the players for not negotiating in good faith and for not giving in to what they want immediately, if not sooner. I got news for you. Thank you for the question. It's definitely against the rules for the Yankees to talk to Freddie Freeman. And as much against the rules as it is, that's how definite it is that they're speaking. All right, nothing. Oh, Coca, you got it. Power of the dog with 12 nominations leads and Dune is second with 10. Power of the dog's really good. I think we reviewed that, Coca, didn't we? You can go to your trusty documents and find out. That's with Benedict Cumberbatch, who was nominated for Best Actor. And they got two um, supporting actors, supporting actress, the married couple. That's three right there. And I believe they got Best Director, Jane Campion. That's four. Best Picture, that's five. Best score is in my head is six, all from memory. Anyway, nothing personal pick of the day. We're hot, aren't we? Yes, we are. Did you watch the Heat Wizards game? Were you nervous? Heat by five and a half was a winner. We are 18 and 13. I'm looking at games today, and I got to tell you what I'm seeing. 
We've got a two-game doubleheader that I want to watch and that I want to give you my picks on because there is some sort of strange thing going on with lines that I can't figure out. The Boston Celtics are favored by six on the road playing the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have lost, what is it, eight in a row? What is it, nine in a row? Whatever they've lost. There's no Kyrie Irving. There's no James Harden. The trade deadline is in two days. There's total disarray in that clubhouse, in that locker room. The Celtics are HO triple T, finally playing better, and the line is only six. Guess what? Boston, six over the Nets. I was also looking at this Lakers-Bucks game. The Bucs are on the road against the Lakers. I just watched the Lakers play at home against the Knicks, barely squeak out a win in overtime. The Bucs have been, they crushed the Clippers on this West Coast swing. West Coast swings through California are very difficult for teams. You saw the Knicks lost to the Lakers, then they went to Utah and lost again last night. It's just hard. The Bucs have been in LA for an extended period of time because they played the Clippers and now the Lakers. Guess what happens when you're in L.A. for an extended period of time? It's like being on South Beach. Yet the Bucs are giving four and a half points on the road to the Lakers. We're taking the Lakers and we're taking the four and a half points. That makes sense. It's not a parlay. It's two separate plays. Lakers plus four and a half over Bucks. Celtics minus six over Nets. All right. I want to go back to MLB, which may sound a little scattered, but something was announced yesterday in MLB that was of note to me. Because I got the feeling while reading comments and reading articles that some people may not have been fully aware of this, where everyone in baseball was. Ready? There is no collective bargaining agreement in baseball right now. They're not negotiating in the middle of an agreement. They're not trying to get a new one extended. There is no agreement in place. Guess what that means? Part of the agreement is on drug testing. If there's no agreement that is governing the relationship between the players and the owners, guess what the owners can't do to the players? Drug test. This is not the biggest story in the world. During the offseason, there's offseason testing. It's not as frequent or as common. Are those same words? Or as widespread as it is during the season. But players go through the offseason knowing that at any day, someone could knock on the door and say, give me your pee. I want to see if you're in a cycle. I want to see if you're taking testosterone, HGH, any sort of shots going in your tuchus, Roger? Just ask him. Well, not now. And guess who's aware that there's no testing for steroids going on during this offseason since the collective bargaining agreement expired on the night of December 1st? The players are aware. Do you know that there are players who do take steroids still? But they're always masked and they're ahead of testing. We know this for sure. But once you know you're not being tested, you get a little careless. You maybe take an extra little cycle. Maybe there are players who generally don't normally do steroids. And they say, hey, I'm a free agent. I'm going to take a one-year pillow deal at best because of this crazy lockout where there's going to be a rush to sign the best players. I'm in the middle class of baseball. I need something to get myself to the upper class. What's the worst that'll happen? I get banged for steroids. I'll be put down in the lower class. So I'm going to take the chance. But I'm going to stop JIT just in time because guess what will happen the minute the collective bargain agreement is 
negotiated, signed, and approved. Part of that deal will be, wait for it, testing. Now, why does this matter? Do you know that the players and the owners could have agreed to continue drug testing through the lockout? But that would have been a negotiation. And the players said, you know what? We're not even going to give into that because that would make it look like we're weak. The owners would think they have an, an advantage. They're going to try to take advantage of that advantage as we negotiate. They're going to try to take advantage of that perceived weakness as we continue these negotiations. So when they ask us to continue the joint drug tre- prevention program, try saying that three times, joint drug treatment prevention program. That may not even be what it's called. I'm having a moment here, Coca. The joint drug prevention program. I think there's prevention in there somewhere. In any case, when the players were approached about extending it and having it apply during negotiations, they likely would have said no. Is it possible the owners didn't even ask? This is when it got interesting for me. I've been accused of this by myself, of knowingly being a part of players doing steroids, never seen needles go into anyone's tuchus, never seen anyone go on a cycle of testosterone or HGH, but certainly seen players doing things that I did not think they were capable of, nor the scouts, nor the people in charge, but certainly thrilled that they were now capable of it because I was able to say, look at how smart I am as an executive. We took a player who no one thought was good, and now look at him. He's awesome. Does that mean I'm complicit in steroids? Every single owner in baseball in the 2000s, 90s and 2000s was complicit. Every single one. And the reason I know they were complicit is we would talk about it. We would talk about the fact how strange it is the players looked a certain way one day and then a certain different way the next day. How players would get to spring training where you weren't sure what you were getting when you were signing a free agent. How we would call other teams and say, hey, is this guy on the needle? because we don't want to sign a free agent deal with someone who was doing steroids. And then all of a sudden they're not, and then they're not performing. And then, uh Oh, we have to tell our owner that we wasted all that money. We signed D Gordon to that extension. He then got banged for steroids and he was never the same player. We didn't know D Gordon was doing it. That one was a big surprise. So the fact is there are players who are not a surprise. There are players who are a surprise. And it's the latter that's the real problem. Because the ones that aren't a surprise, you put your head in the sand, you move forward and you say, God, I hope they don't get caught. The players who are the surprise, you say, wow, I got fraudulently induced into entering into a contract. I had no idea that you were doing this. Are there players who are going to be incentivized now that there's no testing during this offseason, which they're certainly aware of? Are they going to be incentivized to actually start if they had never done it before? I used to ask our players down in the Dominican because there was a disproportionate number of Dominican players who would get caught and they would all say they didn't know what they were taking. They went into drugstores where everything's legal. You can go anywhere and get anything. And they'd say, I didn't know. And we would say, come to us. We've got a list of everything that you can do, a list of everything you can't do. Before you ingest, let us know, and we'll let you know, and then you decide what you're going to do. Right now, players are saying, well, there's a lockout. I bet I'm really not supposed to be speaking to the teams. I guess I don't really need to tell the teams. 
and I'm going to make an internal moral judgment as to whether or not I need any sort of advantage when spring training comes. And we're going to have a shortened spring training followed by a pretty long full season, which in theory could be 162, but even if it's 140. And I know that I'm not getting a long-term deal. This is what's in the players' minds. And as presidents and owners, there is acquiescence. They're going to deny it. They're going to be shocked when players start testing positive. They're going to be dismayed and disappointed. But there's one thing they can't tell you they are, and that is surprised. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. On January 24th, and we revisit it, I would like to point that out again. January 24th, the Packers lost. Do you remember when the Packers lost to, uh, I don't know who they lost to, the San Francisco 49ers. And they had a field goal blocked. They had a punt blocked, as I recall, that was made into a touchdown. And I said, the Packers are going to fire their special teams coach. Guess what? They did. They have a new special teams coach. And it happens to be the former interim of the Las Vegas Raiders. But in any case, that was a way to see, and we were right. Then on February 4th, right after Flores filed his lawsuit and was a finalist, and people said, oh, he's probably going to get the Texans job because they're going to have to hire someone who's black. He might as well hire Flores. I said, there's no way Flores is getting the Texans job. That's a yes. And then just yesterday, on February 7th, I said, when it was only rumored that Lovey Smith was now a candidate, I said, guess what? He fits all of Mickey Loomis's criteria in New Orleans. He's going to get the Texans job. And he did. That's another yes. Well, my PD, <laughs> my wait to see from today is about PEDs. There were four suspensions in 2021 for PEDs, as Coco reminded me. Three pitchers, one outfielder. Your first suspension gets you 80 games. That's half a season. Well, I've got to wait to see for you because there is no testing during this offseason. There will be more than four suspensions for PEDs in 2022. You just wait to see. This expires at the end of the season, at the end of the World Series, but there will be more PED suspensions in 2022 than there were in 2021. And you know why? Because players are sitting around right now trying to figure out what they need to do to get ready. They see Max Scherzer saying, oh, I'm getting ready as though it's happening now. But then Max Scherzer tweeting, nothing's happening now because we're not getting what we want, but I might as well get ready. Every player is beginning to get ready, whether it's with a ball or with a needle or with a pill, because hey, to them, it's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.